0: Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, church. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, so glad to see all of you here. Anybody visiting for the very first time? If you raise your hand if you're visiting for the very first time. Oh, right here. (laughs) Noe. Welcome. Glad that you're here. If you... Our visit, if you feel like you're new, I want to say, welcome. we're glad that you're here, and uh, welcome you to be a part of the life of life in the Sun. Uh, one of the special visitors I want to welcome are the young people. Uh, we decided we would not have children's church today so the kids could be with the parents and the families could be together. Uh, can we just welcome all the young people that are here today? You know, I was reminded about the young kids being here and I thought, you know, I I need to speak in a way that all of us will be able to understand together. So there are some big words and some big ideas that I'm going to try and say in a simple way so that we can all be together in this. And uh, I, I just love children. Jesus said we should be like them. I think the simplicity and the innocence of kids is something that is of value in God's kingdom. And so... Just an example of the way kids are so simple. uh, Sometimes they're trying to communicate things. I remember when my kids were little. I think the youngest, Nicole, was three years old. One day she was in the kitchen and she said, how size am I on the feet thing? We're like, what? She said, how size am I on the feet thing? Like, Terry, what is she saying? She goes, I don't know. So if you're ever trying to understand a little kid, all you need to do is get another little kid that's a little bit older to interpret for you. So I turned to her older sister, I said, Tara, what is she saying? She said she wants to know how much she weighs on the scale. Like, oh. (laughs) So we're going to try and use simple ideas and simple words to explain bigger things today. But you know who was really good at that? Was Jesus. He was the master. To be able to take everyday stories and examples to explain something that was beyond us. And so today we're going to look into his word because there's there's some... riches and some treasures there for us. So in addition to the kids that I want to welcome, I also want to say welcome to the Sison family. Yeah, we are so blessed to have Auntie Lorna and Noy, John, and Jan. Glad that you're here to join. And speaking of kids, it's so good to have Tara home. She's my oldest. <laughs> we are in a four-week series entitled Promise Fulfilled. The Promise Fulfilled is uh, a four-week series celebrating what God has already done through uh, four different characters in the Bible. In the previous three weeks, uh, we looked at the promise-keeping faithfulness of God through Mary, uh, through the angels, and through Zechariah. And today we're going to look at our promise keeper through the eyes of Simeon. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. And on this Christmas Eve, I'd like to invite us to all stand and read God's word together. This is Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. Let's begin. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. You may be seated. As we look at our promise keeper through the eyes of Simeon, it's important to understand Simeon's thinking. We want to try and get into his mind to understand his way of viewing life. And this is very important when you're studying the Bible, when you're especially interpreting Scripture. We want to go back to what was the original meaning that was intended. Because if we don't stick to original intent, then you can interpret later in history, you can interpret the Bible or any other document, the Constitution, the Bible, you can interpret it any way you want according to the popular wisdom of the day. So it's important that we hold to original intent and try to understand what did Simeon mean as he was speaking. And the Bible says, actually it doesn't say how old Simeon was. Uh, The implication is that he was elderly. Because um, the Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And then when he did, he said, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. The other important thing the Bible says about Simeon is that he was, the Spirit was upon him. The Spirit was upon him. And so because of that, I want us to pay close attention to what Simeon said because the Spirit was upon him. And when we're thinking about Simeon and what he thought, uh, we want to understand his way of thinking. We want to understand uh, the way he saw life. And as we do that, Uh, one of the ways to understand Simeon is by clarifying what he didn't think. And so one of the thoughts that, that did not describe Simeon is a common way that we view life today. There is an idea that the way life works is like a... Life is like a clock that's hung in space, and it's ticking away all by itself, and God's not necessarily involved. And most of us here know that... The Bible is all about the personal relationship with God. But even though we know that, uh, unknowingly, this idea that God's not involved in life kind of creeps into our thinking. Uh, Let me give you an example. How many of you, say this last week, how many of you this last week uh, had uh, time alone with God every single day? If you did, just raise your hand. Okay, there are some of you. Now, for the rest of us, when you didn't spend time alone with God each day, how many of you thought that as you went on to the rest of your day, that your day just carried on as usual? My guess is maybe most of us thought that it really didn't make a whole lot of difference whether or not I spent time alone with the Lord. And that's an idea, or that's an example of how this idea that God's not necessarily involved with life kind of creeps into our thinking. We're not fully convinced that, you know, my time with God and talking to him really makes a difference. In fact, sometimes uh, we can have a quiet time, we can pray, but then we can walk away and even forget what we prayed about because there's no real expectation that it's going to make a difference. And so this is how this one idea kind of creeps into our thinking. Uh, That's very common in the world today. The other idea about the way life works, and again, we're describing what Simeon is not thinking, is the idea that knowledge is the key to success. That if you have special knowledge, you can be very successful. That if, if you only understand the right things, that you can ascend that you can actualize your potential, that you can control your future. And sometimes this way of thinking is called new age, but it's really not new at all. In fact, it's the oldest lie in the book, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, when the serpent appeared to Eve and he said, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you too will be like God. Remember, that's what Satan wanted. He wanted to take God's place. That was his desire. And so we have this idea that God's not really involved. He's not, nobody's in control. The world is just kind of happening somehow by itself. The other idea is that I'm in control. And then there's the third view, which is the biblical view, which is Simeon's view. Simeon's view is that God is in control. And he gave us a hint, we go to the next verse, when he said, sovereign Lord. That phrase, sovereign Lord, is key. If you look at the definition below, sovereign means possessing supreme or ultimate power. Synonyms of sovereign would be absolute, unlimited, unrestricted, boundless, ultimate, total, and unconditional. And so all of this is for the purpose of bringing clarity to what Simeon was thinking. What was his expectation and what was his hope? He was waiting eagerly for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. He was waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Now, most of us here would say, yes, I've, I've heard about the sovereignty of God. But isn't it also true that God helps those who help, them, who help themselves I mean, isn't that the way it works? God helps those who help themselves? I mean, that's the way it appears to me. Once upon a time, there was a farmer. He had a beautiful farm. And the pastor went out uh, to visit him, and he said, Wow, you and God did an amazing job. He said, Pastor, you should have seen this place when God had it all by himself. (laughs) You know, sometimes things are funny because they contain an element of truth. And there is an element of truth in what the farmer said. Basically, he was saying to the pastor, hey, I did all this. I plowed the field. I planted the crops. And it's true. He did. But that's where we need to be very careful because it can get a little confusing. You see, it is true that God has given mankind dominion over the earth. For the little ones here, God has given each one of us some responsibilities, some tasks, some chores that we're supposed to do whether it's cleaning your room or being nice to your brother or your sister. For you older ones, God has given all of you a sphere of influence that you're supposed to take care of. But we need to remember, and this is key, this is very important. We have to get this part because if we don't get this, we miss an important piece of the puzzle. And that is, although God has given us things to do, we could not do these things unless he had given air to breathe, Water to drink, food to eat, and sunlight to see. The Bible calls this common grace. Common means it's common to everybody, everybody experiences this, and grace means it's God's undeserved favor, which means He likes us and He loves us, and so He gives us all of these things to be able to do life. And the point is this you don't have to be a Christian to live life on the earth. You don't. Uh, God has provided for everybody to do life here on earth. You can live and work and play because of common grace. That's very different from special grace. Special grace is that undeserved favor from God that you experience only through Jesus for to forgive your sins and to have a gift of a relationship with God the Father. That's special grace. But because of common grace, the fact that everybody can live and breathe and work and play, a lot of people are not aware that we are much more dependent on God than we think. You know, if I drop my cell phone or if it gets wet and it's not working, I would not expect my cell phone to fix itself. I I wouldn't take my phone and put it next to somebody else's phone that's working, hoping the good one would fix the broken one. I need to send this back to its maker, to Apple. Or if you have another manufacturer, a lesser manufacturer. (laughs) No, just kidding. (laughs) Maybe not. But the point is, we are much more complicated than any cell phone. And we can't fix ourselves. And sometimes in counseling, we go to somebody else who maybe knows a little bit more, hoping they're going to fix us. That's like putting two cell phones next to each other. We need to go back to our maker because he knows how we're made. And he knows how to fix us. So when Simeon comes and he says he's eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue us, he's not talking about giving you a helping hand. He's not talking about an extra boost or to give you some assistance temporarily. He's talking about a rescue. You know, when we think about just assistance or getting a helping hand, it looks like this. That kind of thinking there says, you know what, I've pretty much got life under control. I think I can pretty much handle what needs to happen. And if I need some help, if there are some difficult areas, you know, I'll call on God, I'll let him know. That's the idea of God is just a helper versus a savior or a rescuer. You know, a real rescue, I used to be a lifeguard when I was in college. For you younger ones, college is school for big kids. And so, yeah, just to get my younger one to go to college, I said, oh, it's easy. It's just like 13th grade, you know. She said, Dad, it wasn't 13th grade. <laughs> I said, yeah, I know. I just needed to get you going. <laughs> but I was in college. I was a lifeguard up at Anderson, up at Taragi Beach. One day, it was really bad. Rainy, windy, the surf was high, six-foot waves coming in over the reef. And a swimmer got out near the reef, a snorkeler, had his head down, and I could see he started to drift with the rip current. And he couldn't hear my whistle blowing with all the wind and the rain and the surf. And so I grab my surfboard. I run down the beach, skip and take off. I'm out there fast. But even by the time I get out there, it's already too late. By the time I get out there, he's already swept out. And right where the cut in the reef is most narrow, it's only about six feet wide, and the water is rushing like a river, he he latched on to a coral head. And he's facing the beach. And the waves are coming in over behind him. And as the, water, as the waves come in, the water level rises, and he goes underwater, he holds his breath. And when the wave recedes, all the rushing water from inside the reef starts coming out like a river flowing against him. And he's holding on to that rock for dear life. And I get out there, and I can see all the veins and tendons in his neck and shoulders just popping out. I've never seen anything like it. I said, let go! Let go! And he did. Like in seconds, he's out in the ocean, 50 feet out there. I'm like, swim, swim to the right, swim to the right. And so he gets about 30 feet over. And I'm like, now, come in, come in. And so he starts coming in on a wave and it picks him up and it flips him head over heels and he lands on his back on the reef and he rolls in with the white water and I stick my board out to him and I pull him in the rest of the way. And so we're all out of breath. and We're walking in and I look at his back and he's kind of scratched up. And I look at this guy, and he, I realize he's an older guy. He's about 50 years old. That was 40 years ago. That would make him 90 today. I don't know if he's still alive. Maybe, maybe not. But I do know this. The help that I gave him that day only postponed the inevitable. One day, we are all going to pass from this life to the next. And there is only one who can rescue us from the result of sin. There is only one. You know, that story doesn't do justice to how Jesus has rescued us. You know, a better picture to describe Jesus' rescue would be if a Navy SEAL drops down out of the sky and he jumps with you into the waters. He's not standing there 30 feet away going, let go, let go. No, he jumps into the water with you and he grabs you and he connects you to his harness, which is connected to a steel cable, which is connected to a search and rescue helicopter. And together, he lifts you out of the water and you fly off escaping death forever. That's a spiritual picture of the rescue that God has given us. All throughout the Old Testament. All throughout, God makes a promise to rescue his people. And he fulfilled that promise through the birth of his son, Jesus. He fulfilled that promise. And all of this is to, with, with much clarity, realize that Simeon says one thing to help us understand the meaning of Christmas. We can go to the next slide. He says one thing to help us understand the meaning of Christmas. And that is Jesus came to rescue us he came to rescue us and it wasn't a temporary assistance, it wasn't a hand up it wasn't an extra boost it was a total rescue from a sovereign God as we come to a close I want us to think about knowing that God has come to rescue us that he's come to rescue us from the result of sin where do we go from here what do we do with that In order to answer that question, I think we need to go back to Simeon and this next slide, what he said in verse 32. He said, Jesus is a light to reveal God to the nations. That's the purpose for which he came, to rescue us and to reveal God to the nations. And so this Christmas, I want to invite you to go home and be prepared to tell people about what God has done for you. Be prepared to tell people about the difference that He's made in your life. To tell people about what life was like before you experienced God and what life is like now that you are experiencing God. Now I want to encourage you to uh, let them know the meaning of Christmas is that God came to rescue us from the result of sin. And to let them know that He's done everything necessary to in order for them to experience purpose and peace that you can't find anywhere else. Forgiveness. And there's only, he's done everything. There's only one thing left to do. And that is to make a decision to receive him, to invite him into their lives. And you can simply ask them, would you like to say the salvation prayer? And there's no magic in the words. It doesn't have to be special words. It doesn't have to be a special prayer. The important thing is the, de- the desire of the heart. God knows if a person is saying, yes, I'm open to you. And he honors that. And if you get the heart of that, if you get the spirit of that in leading somebody in a prayer, then you've been used by God to help them experience him, to begin their journey. And then to journey with them and to help them experience God further. I want to encourage us to be like Simeon. Simeon was elderly and he was faithful and he eagerly waited to see what God would do to fulfill the promises that God had given him. And I want to encourage us to finish well. I want to encourage us to be spirit-led all the way to the end like Simeon you know there've been a few people in life that i've seen how they how their life ended and i saw them end with thankfulness and with peace and trusting god and it's a beautiful thing and i want to encourage us to be a witness and be an example of the peace and the joy and the difference that god makes sound good let's pray Father, we thank you that you made a promise and you're a promise keeper. We thank you for fulfilling your promise through Jesus. God, we thank you that you do that every day. As your spirit is at work within your people and through your people, you are bringing to pass your purpose and your plan for each one of us. I pray, God, that you would give us boldness. Lord, to be able to overcome the awkwardness when it comes to talking to others about you. Lord, help us to simply have a bubbling over kind of joy that doesn't really care, to be like Simeon who would just tell people everywhere about Jesus. Father, I pray that you would give us um, a compassion for people, to care enough to stop in the busyness of our day and just to listen to their hearts and to listen to your heart and let the opportunity invent itself and trust that you're at work. God, would you help us be real and be natural and be loving as we join you in what you're doing? you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed there may be some of you here in the room today as you're hearing me talk about a relationship with God that this is something you've been thinking about in fact you're here today not just because it's christmas eve but in your heart you're searching and you're looking for something and you're realizing that it's god that you're looking for and if that describes you i want to give you an opportunity to respond to god by opening up to him, and you can just express that is what we call prayer. The way we'll do that is I'll pray out loud and then you can just hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. Let's pray. God, on this Christmas Eve, I'm here because I've been sensing that you are getting my attention. And so today I came here because I I sense you're there. And right now I'm making a decision to open up to you. I'm opening up my life, my mind, and I'm inviting you to come in. God, I ask that you would forgive me for things I've done. Lord, things that have hurt other people or myself. Lord, you know what I've done. I thank you for Jesus and his forgiveness. And right now, in this moment, I invite him to forgive me. I receive his spirit of forgiveness, what he did for me on the cross. If you're praying this prayer with me right now, just invite you to receive his spirit of forgiveness. Receive his forgiveness. It's for you. This is the very reason that he came. Father, for those that are receiving you right now, God, I ask that you would make yourself real to them. I pray, God, that you would seal what it is that you're doing in their hearts today, that it would be a spiritual marker that they would forever remember and understand The change and the significance of what you're doing in their hearts and in their lives. And so just pray along with me. God, I thank you that you've come into my life, and I ask that you would reveal yourself to me. God, I ask that you would give me a new start. Show me how to live. God, I've been doing it my way for so long, and it's not been working real well. And I ask that you would show me your way of doing life. I pray, God, that you would make me the kind of person you want me to be, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.